This is part for the course, where two totally average golfers discuss the ups and downs of the golf world and their own golf games. We'll share stories, insights, and our thoughts and opinions, which may or may not be well-informed. Through the good and the bad, though, everything here is par for the course. Welcome in, all you birdie chasers, weekend warriors, you golf rage monsters, and even you non-golf enthusiasts. This is another episode of Par for the Course. I am your host, John Webb, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andy Proctor. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, John. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite well. Are you doing well? I'm doing... How doest I, thou? I am splendid. You are How splendid? Are you? How are you? I also am well. Thank you for asking. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I go back to the other thing. That was so weird. What up, what up? What up, what up? Um, ladies and gentlemen, this episode, we are going to talk about practice strategies in golf. Now, I can assure you listeners that this is not a normal, hey, what do you do when you practice? We will talk about that, but Andy has some really interesting insight that he's learned through his profession of physical therapy that we'll talk about uh, deliberate practice, where it will go into specific things and um, pros and cons of different strategies when you practice at golf. Because, as you can relate, my friend, um, I'm sure a lot of us will go to the range and just hit 50 or 100 balls and mm-hmm. call it good. And yeah. we walk away thinking, what What did I just do? Like, what was right. that? It was, tip- right. honestly, it was a waste of time. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm hoping that today we can we can talk about a lot of these principles and hopefully help golfers realize what maybe some of their pitfalls of their practice routine mm-hmm. are. Um, and, you know, just get more acquainted with what a, what a practice session should look like. Yeah. Um, making sure they have a goal yep. um, with a practice session. Um, and then I think on our next episode, we're also going to talk a little bit about, um, I think this will maybe tie in more with the, with the next episode, but also I think it will apply. You do a really good job of making sure you always have something that you're working on from your golf coach, mm-hmm. from your swing coach. Correct. Um, that's something I have very little uh, input in, uh, yes. very little experience you don't have with. A coach so, yet. so yeah, I don't. Uh, so you know, whatever you have to volunteer as far as that goes, and mm. how that applies to your practice strategy. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear about that. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'll start out by talking about my typical practice routine. I actually went to the range today, so this is good timing for this oh, episode. Cool. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. <laughs> you were working, and oh. I was <laughs> being unemployed. That's right. <laughs> Yep, I lost my job a few weeks ago. Looking for a new job. If anyone has anything, shout out know. to people that are employed. Shout out to all employed people out there. Um, so I went to the range today, and um, what I am currently working on is um, I am wanting a consistent baby draw in my shots. The reason for that is because I t- I already have a natural draw to my swing, um, and so you lucky duck. I know <laughs> it's fairly lucky. Um, but also, uh, along with that, I really am, uh, in the last year, I've had a really, really hard time with early extension in the swing. If any of you don't know what that is, it's your hips early extend when you're on the downswing, which causes you to thin and top golf shots. Mm-hmm. And it is the most frustrating, aggravating thing that happens in my swing. It also takes out a lot of your power. Takes It which, takes everything out. Which is insane, because if you early extend yeah. and you're losing power, 
I'm afraid to see what happens to your swing <laughs> when you learn to swing all the way through the yeah. ball without extending early. Honestly, though. Um, so like that's, You will hit that ball 500 miles. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, early extension has been a major issue. So, partly wanting to get that baby draw, but also wanting to just honestly hit consistent, flushed shots every single time. That's my goal, is to make sure that I don't have any thin shots. Now, I understand that there are times where you may hit it like a groove or too thin, and then I'm okay with. Um, I'm just wanting to avoid early extension at all costs. So mm. um, I've been recently... Um, I'm wanting to avoid eight put, or eight, eights on par threes at all costs. <laughs> so I recently um, went and saw a coach um, here in the Valley, um, and what we worked on was the transition of the, um, of the downswing. So basically the idea is... Part of my habit is when I get to the top of the backswing, I um, will initiate the downswing with both my lower body and upper body. So I'm essentially driving my hands at the ball, which is how I learned how to golf from the get-go. So when I was a teenager and I, right. I worked at Old Mill, shout out to Old Mill Golf Course. Shout out. Um, I got free range balls and I, and I went, I would watch YouTube videos and I'd go to the range and I would, what I learned was I need to strike the ball. That was how I learned. Mm. And so that's where I got Classic good contact. YouTube lessons. Yeah, YouTube lessons, no bueno. So I learned how to strike the ball. And basically, it's like, I want you to think of it like pulling down on a rope is how my downswing looks sometimes, where I'm just throwing my hands at the ball and wanting to strike the club head with the ball so that I get good contact. So the reason why that's bad is because it's causing me to come over the top on the downswing, mm. and I'm initiating the downswing with both my lower and upper body. So everything is in sequence when it needs to be different. So um, all that to say, what I'm working on right now is just making sure that my tempo and my timing is correct, where I get a really good turn on my backswing, but I'm initiating my lower body as the backswing is completing its full turn, if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way my hips get through and then my arms follow. So right. it's lower body first, then my hands follow. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, and this will kind of jump in later to some of the, the practice, not only strategies, but principles. Yeah. Um, when your golf coach goes through this, this idea, this mm-hmm. concept with you, are a lot of his cues really mechanical and internal uh, cues, internal swing thoughts, are or are they more external cues, more external swing thoughts? Um, I does would that make say sense it does. Yeah, totally. Uh, and this is something that you and I have talked a little bit about. I think they're more external. I would say there are some internal thoughts, like there are some mechanical things I just have to know. Mm. Um, but I would say a lot of it is external, in the sense that um, I am trying to, when I'm hitting the ball, trying to hit it out more to the right, so mm. I'm hitting at towards that target, gotcha. that contact. That's one example. Um, but I would say when I go to the range, typically I am trying to focus on that right now, and the two words that I would use to describe my sessions when I go to uh, the driving range is very deliberate, so I'm taking a lot of slow motion swings, mm. and very exaggerated. So I know my tendencies. I know that I early extend. So I'm trying to ensure that when I turn, I'm turning a full backswing Mm. and that I'm initiating with my hips for the downswing um, and that I keep my hips back, you know, like I'm pushing my hips back Mm -hmm. so that I don't early extend. So um, Mm. 
why is it that you focus on like a really exaggerated golf swing? Um, this is something I learned from another coach that um, you, when you have set, uh, when your golf swing is set in a way that's incorrect, to change that is very difficult. Your muscle memory is so keyed up whenever you take a golf swing. And so exaggerating the correct movement and almost over-exaggerating to the opposite mm-hmm. side of the spectrum for me is the correct way to do it because it allows me to retrain my muscle memory to have more accurate swing mm-hmm. mechanics. So you're taking advantage of a, of a principle that in PT we call it feel versus real mm-hmm. where um, you overemphasize or you, you make the, the movement pattern really oh, you overemphasize it. You make it really, really, really deliberate yeah. so that when you then go into your full swing, which is not something, you know, a, a golf swing is something you pull the trigger on. It's once, so fast. Once you start, you can't stop. Yep. You can't stop and think about it. You can't, you can't really stop to calibrate mm-hmm. your swing. You just do it. Yep. So you're taking advantage of that principle where you, you practice in a way that's very exaggerated and it feels very strange. Mm-hmm. It feels very extra. Yep. So that when you get into the golf swing, what really happens the feel versus the real mm-hmm. is that you meet somewhere in the middle yep. and it gets you to where you want to be. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think a good example of this is, like I said, my tendency is to strike the ball with my hands. I get really handsy and throwing the club at the ball. So mm-hmm. my, what I try to exaggerate is I get to the top of the backswing and you know, I make that full turn and I let my left arm come down so that it comes behind me so that the club is coming in to out. Right. And I am like way behind my body when I get to mm-hmm. that, that left arm coming down to make sure that the club isn't coming over the top. Right. It's coming on the inside. Right. So I'm doing that, you know, 10 or 15 times at a slow, slow speed and making sure that I'm repetitively getting behind my body so that when I do the full swing at full speed, like you said, fuel versus real, it's somewhat in the middle. And so far sure. it's been going pretty well this season. Um, it's helped a lot. Good. Yeah. So that's kind of like the swing shape, the swing thought mm-hmm. you're working on. Yeah. Is that driver? Is that irons? Is that wedges? It's all of them. Right now, I'm I'm wanting to aim a little to the right of the target, push, not push, but like hit my shot so it's starting right and drawing to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to do that, I have to come inside. I can't do it if I'm coming over the top. Um, and so far, you know, it's a work in progress, but it's definitely gotten a lot better since last season. That's good. Yeah. That's awesome. So, what are your thoughts on that? What do you What do you think? I think it sounds great. I mean, one thing I've noticed about you, whenever you and I go to the range together, uh, is you are really good at taking time between shots. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I run to a lot. I run into a lot with with my patients is that yeah. they say, you know, hey, I went to the range and my shoulder hurts. And I'll say, well, how long were you at the range? I say, oh, I was only there for an hour. Yeah. I'm like, okay. How many balls did you hit? Oh, I hit a full bucket. Mm-hmm. You know. It's a hundred balls. Yeah. Like, well, consider when you go play a round of golf, most high handicappers that I'm probably working with are hitting, mm-hmm. they're probably scoring high nineties, mid to high nineties. Yeah. So they're hitting about a, a large bucket, mm-hmm. but you're doing that in four hours. Yeah. Not one. Mm-hmm. And so you get all these people that they go to the range and they you know, whack, 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 yep. hitting ball after ball after ball. And they're not really taking time to adjust anything. They're not taking time. They might be taking time to try to correct their swing, but 
lot of times they don't know what they're trying to correct. They're just trying different things they saw on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, they're not taking, and even if when they are striking it well, then especially then they, oh, I've, you know, I'm in a rhythm. I better hit them while I can. Mm-hmm. And they hit and they hit and they hit and they hit. Um, but you do a really great job of taking, I mean, whether you're hitting poorly or whether you're hitting really well, mm-hmm. you take your time. You make sure not to overdo it. But also, I think it's not just a, a you know, energy management or any energy expenditure thing. It, it looks like you're trying to take time to internalize what you're practicing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, for me, it's like there have been times where I'll go to the range and I'll get in that mode where I just want to hit and hit and hit. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't blame anyone that does that because right. I, you want to get those reps in. You want to train yourself. But... I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, most of the time when people do that, they're just accentuating and creating bad habits, and it's just get, it's compounding on itself. Definitely. So they're hitting the same shot over and over, and it's the wrong swing. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually doing worse for you than even not practicing at all. Yeah. So, And I, I would say, you know, if there's a day when you're at the range and, like, you're just feeling it, yeah. right, you're in a groove... That's fine. I mean, I, I I'd say you know for sure. I mean, yeah, hit, if the results there, I mean, hit it right. It. But yeah. but I would say, just in order for your, um, your practice to more closely mimic the sport you're playing, mm-hmm. at the very least, if you hit a good shot, that's great. Go stand back behind the ball, realign your shot, mm-hmm. and walk up to it just like you would if you were playing around. Yeah, because. You know, there's no there's no point in any any point during a round of golf where you get to hit one ball, then rake another ball towards yourself <laughs> and do it again and hit that same shot. At yeah. least if you're following the rules, right? For sure. Um, so yeah, that's good. Yeah, and one other thing I would that I like to do and take this or leave it, but I actually will go to the range and typically I will only buy a half or a small bucket. So usually mm. it's, at our place it's fifty balls. And that actually forces me to take my time on each shot. Because, I mean, if you grabbed 50 balls and went out and hit them, you could do that in less than 20 minutes. Easy. Oh, yeah. You could just go out and crank them all out. But for me, it forces me to say, okay, I'm going to hit one. What happened? Oh, it faded on me a little bit. Okay, let's take a step back. Let's, you know, exaggerate and deliberate on the swing. What do I? What did I do on that swing that was good, but what do I need to correct on this next one? And that's typically what I'll do. And so if I get through 50 or a half bucket – and I'll say, I'm feeling pretty good. Let's go through another 50. Mm. That's what I try to do just because I get in that that mode where I want to hit as many as I can. I have like two or 300 golf balls. Mm-hmm. Um, that has helped me a lot through my practice. That's good. Yeah. So it's yeah, good. Okay. So Andy actually learned some really interesting stuff from his PT program at the U. Shout mm-hmm. out to the University of Utah. Um, on this very topic of practicing and how to do that correctly. So talk to us a little bit about what you've got here. Yeah. So, you know, obviously in physical therapy, we spend a lot of time teaching our patients how to move, right? We're, we're mm-hmm. movement specialists. And, um, you know, we find it uh, more and more uh, that a lot of people's, you know, their pain and their impairments, the things that they're dealing with are driven by the way they move. Okay. Not just, you know, weakness or inflexibility or lack of mobility, things like that. Yeah. Um, and so we, we spend a lot of time learning how to assess, not only assess people's movement and teach people how to move, um, uh, but teach them how to, uh, retain, uh, that new movement. Okay. Right. So there are a few, f- uh, factors that influence 
what we would call motor learning, right? Or, mm-hmm. or the, the learning and, and uh, calibration and retention of a specific task or a skill, right? Yep. So um, the number one factor that influences learning, muscle learning, motor learning, is obviously the amount of practice, mm-hmm. right? We know this. Practice makes perfect. Got to uh, do if, it a lot. If you don't practice, you're not going to get better. Um, and it, it's probably pretty clear that, you know, that the amount of practice that you have is, is going to be, you know, a, a pretty strong correlation of how much improvement you make. Or mm-hmm. in the case of golf, <laughs> it seems like golf is almost like weightlifting where it takes a lot of, a lot, a lot of effort to see improvements. Yep. And it takes a week, maybe two weeks of not playing or not lifting to start to see pretty dramatic decreases to lose in, it. in performance. Yep. Or in the case of Just strength like training, that. you lose muscle mass. <clears> and you it's crazy. It. So... You know, golf, golfers out there, you might not feel like you know a whole lot of what it feels like to be a, a bodybuilder, but it's pretty <laughs> pretty darn similar. Um, number two uh, has a lot to do with practice schedule or, or practice uh, principles. So we're going to go through a few of these uh, principles and, and talk about how a lot of golfers do do it. Yep, and and how. That contributes to, like you said, just ingraining worse motor patterns, right? Creating those bad habits. Exactly. For sure. Um, and, and just not taking advantage of um, just the, natu- the natural ways that the human brain learns and develops. So the first one is um, something called massed, massed practice versus distributed practice. Okay. So in, in someone who's using a massed practice strategy, that is... Um, a practice strategy where you 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 do one task over and over again with very little rest in between. So those so, are the guys that hit a hundred, two hundred balls over and over. Like and we don't just talked stop. about, like you you've, you've you're there at the range. You got maybe got an hour at lunch. Yep. And you're gonna you're gonna try to hit a hundred balls. Yep. Okay. Um, versus someone like you who practices that task with rest breaks distributed. In between practice trials, definitely. So that's distributed practice yep. strategies, right? So the incorrect version is the massed practice. Don't want that. Yeah, you see, um, basically, you see poorer performance in the long run, and also poorer retention mm-hmm. over time of that skill. You'd think that, you know, we, we always have this image of our, in our head of, oh well, if I want to get good at free throws, I've got to go out. And I've just got to shoot a hundred free throws, mm-hmm. which again, that I mean, part of that ties into the amount of practice. Yep. So sure, if you go out and shoot a hundred free throws, you're you're going out there and you're doing a lot of practice, right? Yep. But it'd be better if you maybe shot five three free throws, got the feel for it, dribbled around a little bit, um, you know, maybe tried some other ideas, and and then uh, went back and shot some more free throws with sure. some rest in between. Sure. Okay. Um, so that is massed versus distributed practice. And, and so that, you know, for a, a tip for someone who maybe is, is doing more of that massed type of practice is like, like you do, if you have time, mm-hmm. like you said, maybe, you know, hit 50 at a slower pace. Yes. Take some rest in between. And then if you're still feeling the bug to hit another 50 balls, then go back. Yeah. If you only have an hour for lunch and you're trying to go get, you know, some practice in, don't buy a bucket of 100 balls Mm -mm. and feel the need to hit all 100 or you're going to waste your money, get 30 balls Yeah, and take some time to work on your swing and make sure that you're hitting each of those 30 balls really, really well. Because I'd also assert that when you have 100 balls in front of you, 
it, it doesn't have the same weight as when you're on the course and you've got one ball in front mm-hmm. of you. Yeah, one shot. Right. So I've, I've heard that tip from some golf pros saying, hey, only pull, don't dump your whole bucket out. Only put one ball out on the turf at a time because mm-hmm. that's the only ball you've got to hit. Yep. Right. So that can also help with. So it almost sounds like, correct if I'm wrong, but you could say if someone had an hour for lunch, like you said, it it would be so much better if they took and hit 10 deliberated shots with exaggeration time in between versus hitting 100 quick shots. Like 10 yeah. versus 100, to me, in that type of scenario, they're going to get essentially better with just the 10 shots than just hitting 100. It yeah. Like. And, and, you know, I don't know about saying, you know, specific numbers, 10 versus 100. Right. Because, again, going back to the amount of practice. Sure. Someone who hits a hundred golf balls is also getting more repetition, mm-hmm. um, more volume than someone who only hits ten shots. Sure, but I, I think the idea is that just taking a little bit more time between yeah. um, your shot, like like I said, or just a little bit ago, you know, at the very least, um, when you hit a good shot, step back behind your ball, mm-hmm. think about that shot, think about the shot shape you want to hit, um, think about whatever external cues or, or practice cues you've got from your swing coach. And then step step back up to the ball and take your swing. Mm-hmm. Right, even just a few seconds break um, is better than you know, hit a shot, rake your ball. Sure, hit a shot, rake your ball. Yep. Hit a shot, rake your ball. Okay. Um, the next uh, principle, the practice principle, we want to take advantage of is uh, what we call blocked practice versus random practice. So again, this is it's very similar. Um. But it's a little bit different. So a blocked practice strategy is one where you you take one task and you repeat that same task over and over again. Okay. Now this hasn't doesn't have as much to do with rest break in between, but it has to do with the type of tasks you do. For example, you take someone who says, "Hey, I just really have a hard time hitting my driver, so I'm going to go to the range and I'm going to hit all 100 balls with my driver, and that's it." Hmm. Right. Yep. Um, and what we see with people that do blocked practice um, is again less retention over time. You you may perform better while you're practicing. Say say you took a, a person who was trying to hit driver, and you gave him twenty golf balls. Yeah. And you said hit all twenty golf balls with your driver. You may see them during those twenty golf balls. They may hit those better. And the person who would say, okay, I'll give you 20 golf balls, but I want you to hit uh, only every other third shot with your driver. And then then I want you to take wedge and then iron. Yeah. Right? Now, the person who's hitting driver might look initially like they're hitting their driver better than the person who has a more random practice strategy. Mm -hmm. But what we see is that over time, um, if, if then, say, an hour later, you were to give each of those golfers... 10 golf balls and say, okay, now let's both get your drivers out. And you're both going to hit 10 drives with, yeah. with your clubs. The person who hit only drivers is going to perform worse, and they will have retained that skill uh, less, less than the golfer who had the more random practice strategy. Right. Okay? Um, and it doesn't only have to do, you know, when it comes to golf, it doesn't only have to do with what type of club you hit, but what type of shot you're hitting. Yeah. If you're trying to hit... Um, you know, a, a flighted wedge versus a really lofted wedge. Mm-hmm. Um, a chip versus a flop shot. Um, a cut versus uh, a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, driver versus three wood, um, whatever it is you're doing, the more random you can make your practice, uh, the more motor retention, the more motor learning you're going to have. Yeah. And I've actually seen you do this on the driving range and I strongly recommend it because I've only done it once or twice, Mm. but a lot of you listeners probably have a golf course, you know, very well. Mm. So what you could do is you could go to the range and virtually play that course from the range in your head in your head yeah so you you're on the first tee box you hit driver then let's say okay i hit it to the right in the rough i'm 125 out mm-hmm. what club would you use at that point yeah and doing that over and over throughout the whole range session is going to give you that random mm-hmm. practice that you're and, talking about and, and that takes advantage of another another really important principle which is specificity of training mm-hmm. meaning the more specific that you can get with your training the more that your training can mimic your sport, yep. the the more value your training is going to have, right? Mm-hmm. What good does it do me if I'm trying to train a basketball player to jump really high and I don't have him work on, you know, power or plyometrics or explosion. I have him work on speed. Now mm-hmm. that might help a little bit, but if I really if a if a, a basketball player wants to learn to dunk, I have to have him work on dunking related abilities. Mm-hmm. Right? If I want to learn to be able to golf well to get on on the course and be able to hit driver yep. and then a wedge and then a seven iron off the tee and then be able to chip well mm-hmm. from off the green. I have to be able to mimic my practice strategy like that. And so doing what you just said, you know, playing a course uh, fr- from the range yeah. in, your, in your head does exactly that. But it's also important, I think, to, to randomize it, but also like make it realistic, right? Like yeah. I hit driver off the tee, what do you typically do? Yeah, I typically go right. Okay, so let's say you hit right into the rough. So it's not like a perfect round. It's like a typical John or typical Andy round mm-hmm. so that you can practice those specific shots that you know are going to come up yeah. during your round. And, and then you, what, what? another thing it does, and this is another practice strategy, mm-hmm. is um, it helps you to learn how to manage your mental game. We talked about mental game a few episodes ago, yeah. right? And if you find that you're a person like me who gets to a par three and just can't get on, or, or like I mentioned in the last episode, right, like I invariably will have at least two, maybe three absolute blow-up blow holes, up holes is what during you call a round it. of golf. Mm-hmm. And if you go to the range and you just hit over and over and over again a seven iron, um, it's going to be like, oh, well, you know, I, I hit my seven iron pretty well today. I hit, I hit 100 balls with my seven iron, and 80 of them were great which might make you give you false confidence about, mm-hmm. oh, I hit really well today. But if you go to the range and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a course in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play a course on the range here. And, okay, I'm on, the, I'm on hole one of Park City, Park City Muni. Mm-hmm. And, oh, boy, that drive went way right. It's got to be straight, and if it's not, be, you're in trouble. That would be in the other fairway. Right. So now I'm going to hit this next shot like I'm having to punch back over into my fairway. Yeah. And it helps you learn game management. Mm-hmm. It helps you learn... Anger management. Guilty over here. John just raised his hand. It <laughs> helps you learn um, to play under pressure. Yeah. And a lot of people, I think, was it you and I yeah. that were talking about this? We talked this about last this. Weekend? So John John had um, a hole uh, at the end of the Wasatch Tours first stop in St. George mm-hmm. this spring. Uh, on hole 18, you were three strokes ahead of me. Second. It was the final hole, 36 holes. Final hole 36 of the hole. tournament. You had three strokes on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the whole rest of the crew was hanging out of the 18th green. So 
Eight guys were watching. Eight. It wasn't yeah. a big group. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I was crazy nervous. You were so nervous. There was a lot right? of pressure. I felt it. And that was self-inflicted, a lot of it. But yeah, I definitely felt it. And so it's like, well, how do you practice pressure? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you practice that? He's like, you can't get, you know, we're not all going to come over and, and watch sit, it and sit on your couch while you make putts on your little putting green. Right. But what you can do is you can play courses uh, like we've mentioned here, or you can, um, you know, do this more random practice strategy mm-hmm. at the range. Um, or it could be basketball, it could be soccer, it could be whatever. Uh, you have to mimic lifelike situations in your practice strategy um, so that if I am playing hole number one at Park City mm-hmm. and um, I, my, my drive gets you know, blocked out to the right and I've got a bunch of trees theoretically on my left preventing me from getting back in, mm-hmm. I've got to have the presence of mind to say, okay, I need to make a smart decision. This is a hard shot to make it under the tree limbs here and you know, punch it and, and let it roll forward mm-hmm. 90 yards. I've, I can have the ability to do that. And then when I get into a real round of golf, not only has my practice strategy more closely um, mimicked an actual round of golf, my decision-making on the course and my ability to ha- handle pressure yeah. is going to be immensely better than it would have been otherwise. Sure. Right? That's awesome. So um, so this is you know a blocked uh, practice strategy. And hitting, we could talk about hitting, this. Hitting one me. thing over and over and over again. Yep. Uh, doing one task over and over again without changing uh, and making it more random, that is a a poor practice strategy. So when you're going into your golf practice, you want to take advantage of random practice. Yeah, just play your your home course when you go practice. That's a great way to do it. Um, This this next thing, um, this next principle is is a constant versus a variable practice. This, I would say, kind of falls in pretty closely with the blocked versus the random practice. Um, a constant practice is practicing of a single version of a task. Yeah, sounds uh, like it's similar. Versus um, a variable practice, which is ver- several variations of the same task. So you might say this is more like, hey, I'm, I'm going to hit my seven iron, but I'm going to try uh, a low draw versus a high draw right. versus a, a, a fade versus a stinger. See, and if you have that skill set, awesome. Mm-hmm. But... And, and and yeah, you're right. Some people might not have that. Yeah. Um, but but what you might even say is okay. Well then then what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to vary uh, because you don't always take your seven iron and, and hit it a stock shot. Sometimes yeah. You might need to really put some muscle into it. Or sometimes yeah, just a yeah. nice easy knock down seven iron. Or ball above your feet, so you have to choke down on a eight iron. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That, so that makes sense. There are always different. I mean, you don't always hit your seven iron the same way. Right. So. Um, that does kind of fall into random practice, but it's more variable in the sense that you, even if you have one task that you're doing yeah. over and over again, you can still vary it slightly. Okay. okay. Um, and then I, the last little principle here is uh, part task training versus whole task training. Okay. Now, you do this a lot as you're practicing your swing. You mentioned this, that you're you're focusing a lot on your transition. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you, as you're doing your... Um, your stationary reps when you're not hitting a ball, you're just taking some slow motion swings. Yeah, you are practicing part task training where you are focusing on just one part of your swing, and then after you've practiced that part task, you go back into the whole task. Sure, you, you piece it together and you do a full golf swing and you see how it comes together. Okay, okay. A lot of golfers out there just go out there, 
and they swing. Full swing it. Full swing after full swing after full swing, even if they're taking advantage of those mm. principles we talked about earlier where they're doing maybe uh, distributed practice, random practice. Uh, they're still just full swing, full swing, full swing, full swing. And, yeah. Uh, you and I, we took that uh, golf course at BYU together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was me, you, and uh, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our best buddy, Dylan. Um, and our golf coach did something really interesting where he started us with putting. Mm-hmm. And then he worked us back to chipping. And he wouldn't let us chip until we could putt well. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't let you go to pitching until you could chip well. And on and on and on. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't let you move from a, a wedge to an iron until you could hit your wedge as well. Mm-hmm. He made you practice, you know, working that, you know, the, the shorter backswing and making sure you could be consistent there and then consistent with a little bit longer swing and then a little bit longer swing and then a, and then a mid iron and then a long iron and then a driver, hmm. right? In a way, that was part task training because he was training us to be able to be consistent in the first three inches of the golf swing with a putter. Yeah. Then the first six inches of the swing with a, a lag, a long lag putt. Sure. And then, you know, so he's just, he's taking you farther back and further back and further back. Um, and, and it could be any part of your swing. It could, yeah. be, it could be your your transition. It could be your backswing. It could be your follow through. Uh, it could be your swing speed. It could be anything. You could you could take this principle, this part task versus whole task, and practice one aspect of your golf swing or whatever skill it is you're wanting to do with. If it's basketball or soccer or whatever it is you're doing, mm-hmm. and practice part task, and then incorporate it into a whole task. Now, mm-hmm. not that whole task training is always bad. It's not right. right. Obviously. If you're gonna do a skill like a golf swing, mm-hmm. like a like a basketball shot, you have to be practicing the whole complete task a lot. Yeah, and this coach that I saw, he actually started me out by just doing fifty percent punch shots. Perfect. That's how we started. That's perfect. And it was just really to, helpful. Just to make sure that you could make mm-hmm. contact with a half swing. Yeah, because if I can't do that, then the whole swing is just gonna be that much worse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whoa, this is super interesting. Yes. So, and I mean, gosh, there's there's so much we could continue to talk about with this stuff. But uh, uh, the last thing I'll touch on, uh, which I thought was really interesting, is uh, mental practice. Okay, I think this one's key, honestly. Yeah. So, what what role does you know uh, mental practice or visualization have in in your yeah? Like, do do you just do it as you're like falling asleep? Or do you do it as you're as you're at the range? How does it's it... interesting. I so when I was at the range today, my niece came. She's on the Skyline High School golf team, and so we went through a few things. And Dude, we talked. Nice. Yeah, we talked about on the putting green. Um, so I showed her my routine when I putt. But what we talked about specifically is how critical speed is in putting, and we should touch on this on practice in a little bit. But mm-hmm. we talked about when I am taking my practice strokes to hit the ball. I am literally visualizing when I take the first practice stroke how far would the ball go if I hit it like this? And I do that three times. And so for her, it was really helpful because she would take the first practice stroke, and i say, okay, so in your mind, where did that ball just go? She said, yeah, it probably would have gone by. It would have gone past the hole. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the second one, let's visualize how, when you hit it, where's the ball going to go? And she said, okay. She takes the practice swing. She says, oh, that one felt really good. And I said, okay, step up to the ball and hit it exactly like you just practiced. Right. And she made the putt. So it was really interesting to awesome. see how, like, just having that brief moment of visualization on speed of the putt mm-hmm. made all the difference. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And see, I think it's particularly useful in golf because golf is a sport that allows you to have that mental visualization before every shot. Yeah. Right? Football, that can't happen. You yeah. Have time for that. Basketball, no time it's for that. It's too quick. Soccer, no time too for fast that. paced. Right? There's no time for that. So all, all your mental imagery, all your mental practice with those sports has to happen the night before mm-hmm. or in practice or things like that. But with golf, you have a unique opportunity to do that every single stroke. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Which I think is pretty cr- – that's a good point because you have essentially, like if you're a, you know, a 7, 10, 15 handicap golfer, you basically have you know anywhere from – 80 to 95 times where you can visualize a shot during mm-hmm. a round. Yeah. Um, and so I think you're right. I think more importantly than anything else we just talked about is that mental practice and visualization is going to be, to me, almost as or if not more helpful in the long run because, I mean, I know there's tons of research done that when you visualize a shot, you're going to hit it better. Yeah. Like that's just for sure. proven for sure. time and time again. Yeah. And the thing I like about it, too, is not only does it give you that chance to have improved performance with the mental practice, but also as you're thinking about that shot, and I think not enough people do this, per se, especially those mid to high handicappers, mm-hmm. it gives you a chance, it gives you a second chance at course management. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I probably should have visualized a few more swings uh, <laughs> two weekends ago, when I tried to, to I tried to hit an, a wedge through a tiny gap in the trees, sure. over water, over bunkers, sure. onto a sloping green. Right, like that for me should have been like, oh, I'm trying a ridiculously tough shot. I should punch out, take my medicine, and try to save par, maybe bogey. Right, right. So that mental practice can serve a lot of purposes. Right. So one thing I want to finish up on before we close is all of this we just talked about has to be applied not only in the driving range like we've talked about, but we got to apply it with your putting on the putting green. Um, I think a lot of people, at least from what I've seen, I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of people go to the driving range, they hit you know however many balls, 100, 200 balls, and then they leave. One thing that I learned early on in golf, and I'm not saying I'm a professional by any means, but I do think that this applies to everyone, is no matter how or how long you go to the driving range, you always, always spend some time on the putting green. Um, But more specifically, when you do practice your putting, one thing that I see a lot of people do, and I am also guilty of this as well, when you take a sleeve of three golf balls and you put them on the green, you hit the same putt three times in a row, that's not the best way to practice. Not only for your line, but also for your speed. Because you hit the first putt, you know what it does. Mm-hmm. So then the next putt, you know exactly where the ball is going to go. Mm-hmm. That's not helping you in your round when you play later on. And it's not what happens in real golf? Not at all. You can't have a second chance. So you, you just take one ball. So one tip that I loved from a coach that I heard was he takes two golf balls. And he doesn't even hit the balls to a hole. He'll throw out. He'll toss the first ball out somewhere on the green. And the second ball he's using to more importantly than line, he's working on speed, he'll hit that ball to the other ball and try and mm. get it to touch. And then he'll he'll go to the first ball again, toss it out, and then the second ball he'll hit towards that ball. Mm. So the idea is he's not focused so much on the line as he is getting the speed correct on all of his putts, which to me, speed is more important than line. Um, right. So again... I mean, you, can, you can be a little bit off with your line and your putt can still come really close. Exactly. You're way off with your speed. Right. Like if your putt's short, it's not going in the hole. If your putt's long and you blow it by, it's definitely not going in the hole. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to 
come up with different strategies, whether you, you go Google different drills that you can do, like Tiger uses the gate drill, where you have two tees in the green, and it's just a little bit wider than the width of your putter head, mm. and you're hitting through that gate. That's going to help with contact through your putting. That's one drill, for example. Um, Tiger also did just the right-hand putting drill where he just hits like 50 putts with his right hand because he's mm-hmm. right-hand dominant, and that's what he does to warm up when he goes to the putting green. So there are di- a lot of different ways that you can practice putting versus just pulling three balls out of a sleeve and just hitting the same putt three times. Right. So Whoever does that is an idiot. And I am definitely <clears throat> one of those idiots. Me too. <laughs> Well, super interesting stuff. Um, I think everyone can relate to at least one thing we've said. I think everyone goes to the range sometimes and tries to hack out as many balls as they can. Mm-hmm. But I think the, to sum it all up, the more deliberate we can be on our practicing, the more you know exaggerated, the more like methodical, I guess, is the word, mm-hmm. the better you're going to play. For sure, yeah. So to sum up my side of it, distributed practice, take mm-hmm. some rest breaks in between. Yep random practice don't hit the same shot over and over again don't hit the same club over and over again okay try something random change it up uh mental practice for sure huge mental practice for sure using part versus whole task um and uh yeah that should that should be about it okay all right everybody i'm john webb i'm andy proctor and everything here has been par for the course hope you enjoyed thanks so much <laughs>